This is Alamo Anthem, where we, the overtaxed, remember our liberty. Direct from the forgotten countryside outside of Alamo City, San Antonio. Welcome. We never have, we don't welcome very no often. Welcomes. We just don't welcome. But I do want to welcome today, and here's why. I want to give our listeners our email so we can hear some feedback from them and give them a chance to tell us what they're thinking about, tell us what's on their mind. So to contact us, uh, email us at atlasanthemjem at gmail.com. I'll say that again. Atlasanthemjem at gmail.com. So hopefully we'll hear from some of our listeners. Should we spell that? Yes. A-T-L-A-S-A-N-T-H-E-M-J-E-M at gmail.com. And it's on our show notes as well. So, oh. all right. Great. Thank you, Michelle. Yeah. And also, uh, I went to Nextdoor app this week with all this border chaos and posed a question to some of our neighbors. And it was kind of an interesting uh, conversation. Okay. So the question I posed this week was just wanted to hear what some of my neighbors think about what is going on at the border in regards to this Texas standoff with the feds. We will be discussing this anyway, blah, blah, blah. So Jeannie Wilson stated, I for one, and I think she's in divine stand with Texas and Governor Abbott on this. What you might also want to research for your podcast is where the money is coming from to support these immigrants. And Mm. I think that's a good Mm. point. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh, The bill that Biden is trying to pass for more, even more money, more than the trillions that they already have. That's all. So, but who's funding this? This, uh, what's going on? Like the immigration, the migration. I I don't know. I mean, is is it the through the homeland security? Is it just budgetary through that? Yeah. And I mean, it's the federal government, like whoever you know. So I think it's the federal government and NGOs, non government oh, really? organizations. Oh, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I saw a thing with um. I'll have to look for it, the article I read, but um. So where's that money really coming from? Well, that's what it, these non-government organizations, who knows? Who knows who funds them? I have my, I mean, we all know. We all know. <laughs> Soros. <laughs> and what their aim is, right? Like, yeah. why are they funding this? Yeah. And so, but I've learned this past week, because I've really, I mean, this border thing has really caught my attention, that um, I don't know how many of our listeners know this, Joe, but you and I have talked about this, um, that the C. BP, Customs and Border Patrol, have actively been perpetrating the issue. Yeah, human smuggling, if not trafficking outright, human smuggling. Because a lot of these people, like, you know, they'll charter a bus or an airplane or whatever. And the people working in those places, they don't know who these people are. There's no identification. They just, they're just told to just kind of push these people through. And um, so it's like, if nothing else, it's like they're moving people around without telling anybody who they're doing it with or whatever, you know, so. Which really, I mean, I would say for average-ish people like us, <clears throat> you, every now and then, at least I'll have this thought process where I think, oh, yeah, it'd be nice if we could, you know, go here or there or, you know, just 
if we could afford a flight or, you know what I mean? Flights for our family to go see people that we need, we'd like to see or something. And you think, too bad we can't get some of those free flights. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? When yeah. you know that like all you have to do is cross the border illegally and then you get a free flight wherever you want. It's not just that, that they, um, like, you know, the people that have reported on this, they go down and they see that they throw away all of their documents and uh, identification before they get to the border because it's easier for the whole process if they just don't know who they are like they're not going to vet them or anything and so <clears throat> it's like you know it's like not having an identity being here illegally is more advantageous for the free you know flight across the country right so that I'm sure they don't have any control over where they're going or anything like that I but, heard they do yeah I heard, uh, I've heard that they do also. I heard that they ask Border Patrol, where uh, the Border Patrol asks them where they'd like to go, and I oh, they bus them to wherever they want. Yeah, and fly I mean, them. I think they have choices. I don't think it's just like where do you want to go. I'm sure they have like certain buses that go to this particular city, this this particular, you know, and they just get on the one they want. Mm. Also, we we know from whistleblowers that this they're not just getting bus; they're getting flown on airplanes. Yeah, Emily talked about that, but even more than that, without names on these plane tickets, right? It says no name given. <laughs> and they, they even have... And yet we still have to go through TSA and all that. Right. We have to go and through TSA. It's like, okay, well, who's paying the airline or the the bus business company or whatever for them? Oh, well, they are because they are getting paid. It's not like the yeah. buses and the airlines are like forced to donate it. Yeah. So they are getting paid. Oh, it's the government. Oh, okay. Where's the government get all their money? Oh, from us. Okay. So we're paying for them, whoever they are, who knows, to go wherever they want. And then we can't afford to like, you know travel ourselves wherever we want yeah and it's particularly galling because it's like what we've said you know they don't know who they are they don't know i mean you know just a short few years ago or you know a couple of years ago we couldn't fly without wearing a mask or, and, and depending on what city you went to yeah. they would say you're gonna have to show that you were vaxxed right you know within the last you know seven days or whatever they don't have anything like that you know i was just telling uh our oldest son this the other day he's 15 but i was like did you know that when we first like you know me and you uh, at, when we were teenagers and we first ever flew on planes that we could just walk in and like you had your ticket you just walk up to the gate Show them your ticket and walk onto the plane you didn't wait. even need a ticket to walk to the gate you could wait for people at the gate Right, we were able to like greet each other yeah. as they got off the plane. I did that once with you. Yeah, yeah, I remember You're coming back from Georgia. Oh, but wait, you had to go through a metal detector. Don't you remember? <laughs> I don't actually. <laughs> it was like the most easy, probably yeah. budget-friendly metal detector ever. <laughs> right. But as as uh, annoying as all of this seems, and it is, uh, you know, it is annoying to feel like you know someone or or some entity is constantly stealing from you. Uh, the, a worse scenario that I've heard about is like, you know, we all know that there's all these like, uh, college students or, or recent college grads who, uh, you know, they're in tons of debt for a degree that's not, uh, really panning out in the, in the real, you know, workforce. And so they're just like, you know, making money, whatever other way that they can as like, you know, in restaurants or bars or something. And they can barely afford to live in these cities where they live. And they're paying like $2,000 for like, you know, a month for like very few square feet that they're probably sharing with other roommates even. And then meanwhile, they have coworkers 
from these, you know, who are, are the people that we're talking about who are here illegally. And they're being put up in a nice hotel for free. Right. So on the one hand, I, I find that I constantly run into the same uh, thought process where I think, that's terrible. And then the very next thing I think is, that's good. <laughs> because <laughs> if it over and over again, it's like, okay, obviously this is a great injustice. But if the injustice does like wake more people up, like the Gen Z or Gen whatever is that the is that the right generation i think we have i think we're on the or, Z now okay <laughs> but if, anything that wakes people up on the other hand like it's a double-edged sword so it yeah. is like yeah you had to be yeah you had to you know feel the injustice which is crappy but at the same time if more people wake up and pay attention then that's good that's yeah. why i think avid because a lot of people are criticizing abbott here even here in texas saying why did he even do here this? in this room yeah why did he wait so long to shut the border and do something about it and what you know why now is it all because of the election year what is it and i would say yes keep going yeah i although i do agree that i do think that he did it systematically like all of him shipping those migrants busing those migrants to those area did exactly what you're talking about to martha's vineyard yeah and, yeah it yeah. exposed one the um the hypocrisy of the left who says that they care which they don't, but I mean, and as soon as the rubber met the road and they showed up to Martha's Vineyard, they were like, oh my gosh. Like, we'll give you a meal and then you're out of here. Yeah, it's basically. like, they, they don't mean what they say. Yeah. It's all just... Well, and what they their reasons is like, well, we don't have the infrastructure here to deal with all these people. It's like, yeah, exactly. You know, who does? That's right. These are what we used to call NIMBYs, right? Right, not Isn't in my that, backyard. Yeah, the not yeah. in my backyard people. Yeah, and then the second thing that they exposed was... Well, not exposed, but the second purpose of Abbott shipping them it was to show the average Joe in places like Chicago and New York City what it's like to live in a border state and how through these democratic policies, the average person who pays taxes is getting pushed aside while the those that are coming across the border illegally get all the um, benefits. And basically, like you're talking about, Emily... Uh, like some of them are getting pushed out of their own schools. Like their kids are getting right. pushed out of their own yeah, schools. Yeah, they've they've been taking like closing down schools, doing remote learning stuff like that because they don't have schools to go. We actually they're talked using about the this school buildings ago, right? Yeah, yeah they're using the buildings. Uh, what are they called? Like shelters? Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. You know, I heard that it costs something like eighty thousand dollars to put someone up in like one of these hotels for a year, right? So imagine. That you are making sixty thousand dollars a year, which is you know pretty median, and you are paying for all of your stuff, and you're barely getting by, and but you're working, working really hard to make that money. Yep. And then it's like, oh well, we'll just all the stuff that you're working so hard for, we're just going to provide for these people. Now I can hear the argument in my mind, you know, all the little shoulder devils <laughs> saying. But these people are so much worse off than you. How can you be so cold hearted that you're like worried about like whether your kid can go to school or not? Or, you know, like, I mean, it just seems I think people look at it as, as a very selfish uh, first world problem perspective mm -hmm. when you compare your circumstances to theirs. So how, how would you guys respond to that? I would say that. I would just ask some questions like, okay, well, what are the circumstances of the people coming through? Like exactly, where does it break down? What countries are they from? What, um, 
you know, what uh, what's the financial or persecution status of, of where they're coming from. The thing is, is that you, you can't answer that question because we're not taking, we, we're not provided that information. And if they give that information, there's, it's all just hearsay. You know, they're ditching their documents. You don't, you have no idea where they're coming from. So you cannot say one way or the other if it's for, you know, like reasons that we would normally grant asylum for. They have court dates for that many years in the future. And then the other question is, well, what number, what's the right number of immigration? Is it a million people a day? You know, is it 10,000 people a day? And do I you- think the right number is however many votes uh, certain politicians yeah. need. Right. But I mean, just <laughs> to the, the average person, you know, yeah. and then and then to ask the question, well, how many people are coming over? And I mm-hmm. think a lot of the people that make the arguments about, well, these people need the help or whatever, I think that they don't know how many people are coming over. Like they, had, they have no idea of the scope. And so I don't think it's possible to give a number and say, well, I think that it should be this amount because it might be higher than what's coming over and it might be lower. You know what I mean? It's, well, it's- I, I think, Emily, that question is a logical fallacy in a way because I don't think that's the point. That's not what we're arguing about here. Hmm. The the Obviously, it's overwhelming the system. The system cannot keep up with how many people are coming over. And so because of that, it's causing chaos. And so it's not about being cold hearted. It's more about uh, doing it in a judicial way, doing it in a systematic, um, lawful, lawful way, because nobody wants them to suffer. Who? Nobody does. I, I like I every time I talk to a migrant, which I have there, there's quite a few around here. You run into them at the store. You you know, they don't they're quiet and they kind of keep to themselves, but they're nice people. Very, you know, they don't want to talk because a lot of them can't speak English, but they are, for the most part, polite and nice. But it's not about that. It's more about, like, the way I see it, you put your, our country's already struggling right now with so many other issues. And we are just not in a place, I feel like, where we can take this overwhelming amount of migrants until we get the system in control. And and that's the bottom line is something needs to be done yeah. about immigration. Well, kind of the point that I was making about like, what's the right number? Because, yeah. you know, just to get an idea of like, there's a whole wide world out there, you know, and like, if you believe that the United States is the best country in the world, that means that every other country is worse. <laughs> you know what I mean? Meaning that everybody on the planet would have more opportunity if they came to the United States. So if you like, just look at China, for instance, there's like, I don't know what it is now, but at one point it was 1.3 billion people in China. About 300 million of them are like wealthy. They live in the big cities. And then there's about a billion that are kind of slave farmers. You know what I mean? They're rural, very poor. So like, okay, well, how many Chinese should we take in? If we're just going to take everybody in that's being oppressed by their governments or whatever, should we take in a billion Chinese, you know? And and what this situation creates is if you have open borders, it's not going to slow down because there's like essentially an infinite number of people that could come to the United States that would benefit from it. And so it's like, okay, well, there's what, 350 million people in the United States. Like you can double that. You know, like how long would it take to double that if you just truly had your borders open, if you're flying people in from other countries? So, but the point is, is that it's like, you know, like it could, there, there's no end to it if you have no limits. And right now what we have 
are no limits. You know, they they cut the the wire, they remove barriers or whatever, and they just let as many people in. They're helping them across. I think an even more fundamental question to ponder is: Is it worth it? Like, if I could give something to you so that we are, uh, our fortunes are equal, should I do that? Until, like, let's say you're so poor and I'm like medium, you know, medium wealthy or something like that. Should I even it out so that we're both poor? Uh, maybe that might be the right thing to do, right? But what if there's some other entity that's like, this person is poor and you've got more, so I'm going to take it from you and then I'm going to give it to them. And I think that that's like, I mean, although all these mm-hmm. nuances of the immigration problem are important to you know, explore. I think that the idea is like, there's no way to make it right when you have the the third entity in the yeah. mix there. But there, it it could be right if it were just like truly donated, yeah. right? And there are beautiful stories of many people doing things like that, like getting right. together church organizations on their and stuff own like that. accord. Of course. Yeah. With their yeah. own yeah. agency. You cut that, out the theft. Yeah. That, right. that part of the equation yeah. poisons the well. That's yeah. right. You know, and it and it doesn't, it's not efficient either. Once right. once there's theft, it is inefficient. It's like if someone were to say like, oh, we're going to house this person with you or whatever, or like your example, I'm going to give them half of all my, you know, phys- physical wealth that I have. And it's like, okay, well, that's pretty rough when it's just one other person. And so I guess I'll do that. But then like the next day, it's like, okay, well, here's two more people. Here's three more people. It's also not having any control whatsoever of how many people we're committed to taking care of, you know? Like we can't even properly assess the just the people that are in the United States. I'm not talking about illegal immigrants or undocumented, you know, travelers or whatever they want to call them. Um, just like if you were to assess like, okay, what are the needs in Baltimore? You know, what are the needs in inner city Chicago or Detroit? You know, like we we cannot solve these problems easily as it is now, you know. Yeah. So the idea of just bringing a, a limitless number of people into the country, you know, that's just it's just ridiculous. Well, and Emily just talked about the middle person mm-hmm. and how that makes it, you know, not as not what's the word I'm looking for? Not efficient, not altruic. Yeah. Altru- and not right. Because now they're. As soon as you introduce theft, it's not right anymore. Well, and not just that. I don't even trust the third party. Correct. Like, how, why should they get, why can't I just have my money back mm-hmm. and I can decide how I help these people on my own? Why do I need a third party that, first of all, takes money from me without my permission? Second, decides what's best for these migrants, which we all know there's weird stuff going on. Right. Uh, there, there, right a lot of human trafficking. Human trafficking, yep. sex trafficking, drugs. even among our own government doing it. There's been whistleblowers talking about it. There was one woman in the Department of Homeland Security who they have record of taking taking these children to stash houses where all these men are. And the, and the government is not only uh, turning the other way and letting it happen, but they're promoting it. Like paying for it yes. or at least helping somewhere yes. along the way. And yep. so I, it's like, I don't, we don't need the third person involved. Yeah. We'd be a lot better off we'd without be, the third person. Yes, involved. we would. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And I, I just want to say this too. Like, as I talk about this, I, my heart beats really fast because it upsets me so much. And for those people that don't understand Trump supporters, and maybe there's some of you listening, I don't know. Um, but that is the main reason why people support Trump. That's it. It's this feeling of not being heard from the government and this idea that 
there's two tier justice system in this country and one for for the elite that get whatever they want and the one for the rest of us and then there's a third group that just isn't awake yet and the third group still listens to the the first group who keeps telling them they know what's best for them and they believe them but there will come a time and it may be happening soon that they'll start to wake up and realize that the the middle man does not have their best interest in mind the rest of us already know this we're just waiting for you guys to figure it out so there's this email that uh, I I want to read a little bit of that uh, is from one of my favorite podcasters. His name is Tom Woods, and he's a historian as well. So he says, all eyes are on Texas, with numerous states having indicated their support for the Lone Star State's defiance of the federal government. Constitutionally, Texas is on solid ground. I've heard some people say this, since immigration per se is not mentioned in the Constitution, although naturalization is, then the relevant power rests with the states. Such people proceed to deploy this argument in defense of so-called sanctuary cities. But if that argument can defend sanctuary cities, it can also, and to the same extent, defend the Texas move to try to staunch the flow of illegals coming through the southern border. What's good for the goose is good for the gander, after all. Mm. Now, you may say, I don't care about the Constitution. I care about liberty. You're free to say and think such a thing, and other people are free to be curious as to what American history and its constitutional tradition might have to say about the present situation. And the facts are these. The United States is not now, never was, and was never intended to be a single, undifferentiated blob whose central government exercised plenary, meaning like total power. The states preceded the union, the same way the bride and groom precede the marriage. The Declaration of Independence speaks of free and independent states, and by states, it means places like Spain and France that have full power to levy war, conclude peace, uh, con- contract alliances, establish commerce, and do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. The British acknowledge the independence not of a single blob, but of a group of states, which they proceeded to list one by one. Did it's you guys know that? Yeah, it's they were sovereign. Yeah. Each state had its sovereign government. Right. Well, it says right here. The states performed activities that we associate with sovereignty. Massachusetts, Connecticut, and South Carolina outfitted ships to cruise against the British. It was the troops of Connecticut that took Ticonderoga. In New Hampshire, the executive was authorized to issue letters of mark and reprisal. In 1776, it was declared that the crime of treason would be thought of as being perpetuated not against the states united into an indivisible blob, but against the states individually. Article 2 of the Articles of Confederation says the states retain their sovereignty, freedom, and independence. They must have enjoyed that sovereignty in the past in order for them to retain it in 1781 when the Articles were officially adopted. The ratification of the Constitution was accomplished not by a single national vote, but by the individual ratifications of the various states, which which, uh, each assembled in convention. Yeah, they had to all sign off on the idea of uh, separating from Britain. They all had to sign off on agreeing to the constitution. Mm-hmm. It was each one was a sovereign state. It isn't until the civil war that we see this gigantic shift from state to yeah. federal government control of the United States. Right. Is that the end of the Uh it keeps going, but we should talk. Yeah. Just that the the example I always think of is, you know, with the EU, the European Union. Yeah. You know that's a perfect example. It's like we don't think of France as just like we don't think of it as just like being the EU and France just being like a, a state, right? 
we think of France being France. They have their own president or whatever. They have their own laws. But well, sorry, the, what I, the EU oh. is now, or more so what the EU kind of started at, is more like what the United States was, where there's a bunch of countries. They got together and like, we're, let's create this free trade zone and we're going to meet in this one place and we're going to, if there's any rule, like if there's anything that we can decide that has to do with like protecting this alliance of nations, the border that goes around all of them, we'll kind of figure that out in this and we'll make sure to kind of like, and, and only the things that are in the constitution are what we can do. Everything else, every other sovereign nation that's within this alliance can do however they want in their own country. Which is funny because it got too much. Yeah. They took way too much power, which is why we had Brexit. That was the exactly. main reason is because all of a sudden they were losing their sovereignty. Each country was losing losing its sovereignty. And then you know what? It, how it started? How it like how? increased really fast and rapidly pushed forward? Immigration. Immigration. Mm -hmm. It was after mm -hmm. the Syrian war when the Syrian refugees were fleeing to, to Europe and the European Union was telling each sovereign nation that they must take in so many migrants. Right. right. And so here we are. In the United States with the yeah. same issue. And well, I can't help but the reason they were being told that was not because they had such warm, fuzzy, you know, loving feelings no, in their hearts. It I think it was to destroy the culture overwhelm and the, the uh, yeah, it's it's to... It no, was to words. overwhelm yeah. the system. But it I think was... it's more than that. I think it was to destroy their culture yeah. and their like way of thinking of, of being independent states. I think it's also, I yeah, agree. independent. And I, and I think that it... it feeds into the same idea where it's like, no, we have control over your borders. Like we have control over what you do, what your laws are. And that's, you know, it was kind of this um, people talking past each other during Brexit where they're saying, you know, on the one side, they're saying, oh, you're just racist against these immigrants. And then they say, it's like, no, we don't want to be legislated from Brussels, you know? And it's like, well, that's just because of this immigration thing you're just racist it's like it's not just that it's other laws too and i really think that one of the ways in which uh england was you know their saving grace is the fact that they never converted over to the euro that's right they I always retained too. the the pound sterling and so and i think that once like you have the common money yeah. it's like the economic system is just so entwined because that's the argument they are making you get too. a lot poorer yeah is yep. that it because the inflation you're subject to all their inflation yeah it, because then the whoever's deciding how many euros yeah whoever are, the money changers are the money changers are and um and so they didn't have as strong of an argument when they were saying to britain like oh this is gonna crash your economy and it's like well why the pound sterling is doing fine it's like well because of trade and it's like well negotiate new trade deals you know and they were okay, you know, lo and behold. And what I was going to say, though, bringing it back to Texas, is that there would be no talk of, you know, civil war or secession or Texas or any of these things as strong or national divorce as strongly as it has been talked about if each state was allowed to exercise their sovereignty, you know, under the Constitution, their constitutional rights that they should have, rather than everything being controlled from from Washington and like it completely ignoring the 10th amendment. So I want to say a few things about what you just said. One is <clears throat> back when you were talking about how, you know, we would think of <clears throat> with the EU and that like, it's not like France and Spain are just States in the EU that I was just thinking about how this word has been bastardized so badly. Right. 
right? Because the word state, that is the right word for it. They Correct. are states in yeah. the EU. It's that through our public education, mm-hmm. we've lost like we've lost our grip on what that word should mean. Yeah. And so, you know, anybody who's gone to public school, uh, including us, right, came like we we're educated with this idea that we uh, live in towns and then cities, counties, and then your state, and then above all, the federal government, and that it's like this pyramid, right? And this is erroneous. Like, this is really, and that's why it's like, it's hard for people to understand what's going on. I remember during COVID, when people were, who were like, you know, people who couldn't handle what was going on uh, with like all the things that the media was saying about Trump and COVID and all the panic and fear and everything. And I remember people saying, can't the federal government just make a decision for everybody and we'll just do that? Right. And it's like, that's, that's some of the best evidence that I ever saw of the damage done by our, uh, ridiculous educations that we we received. And it's like, you wouldn't think that just by like tweaking one word, like what it means to be a state would be so damaging. But I feel like it is a big thing that's led us to the brink of possibly civil war because people don't understand how it's supposed to be set up. It's the same reason why after an election, they say, oh, well, um, so-and-so won the popular vote, but the other guy, Trump, won the the electoral college, the delegates. And then people are like, what? What is this crazy arcane system? Why isn't it just straight democracy? Like, how does this work anyway? Why didn't my vote count? And it's it's because there's such a divorce in people's brain, like what you're saying, between what states actually are and what the federal government is. We should play the speech of um, Nigel. Nigel Farage. Can I? Sure. I, I yeah. just love it I love so it. Much. Yeah, me too. Okay, hang on. So this is it, the final chapter, the end of the road. A 47-year political experiment that the British, frankly, have never been very happy with. My mother and father signed up to... A common market, not to a political union, not to flags, anthems, presidents, and now you even want your own army. For me, it's been 27 years of campaigning and over 20 years here in this parliament. I'm not particularly happy with the agreement we're being asked to vote on tonight, but Boris has been remarkably bold in the last few months. And Ms. von der Leyen, he's made it clear, he's promised us there'll be no level playing field. And on that basis, I wish him every success in the next round of negotiations. I really do. But the most significant point is this. What happens at 11pm this Friday, the 31st of January, 2020, marks the point of no return. Once we've left, we are never coming back, and the rest, frankly, is detail. We're going, we will be gone. And that should be the summit of my own political ambitions. I walked in here, as I've said before, you all thought it was terribly funny. Uh, You stopped laughing in 2016. But my view has changed of Europe since since I joined. In 2005, I saw the constitution that had been drafted by Giscard and others. I saw it rejected by the French in a referendum. I saw it rejected by the Dutch in a referendum. And I saw you in these institutions ignore them, bring it back as a Lisbon Treaty and boast you could ram it through 
without there being referendums. Well, the Irish did have a vote and did say no and were forced to vote again. You're very good at making people vote again, but what we've proved is the British are too big to bully, thank goodness. So I became, I became an outright opponent of the entire European project. I want Brexit to start a debate across the rest of Europe. What do we want from Europe? If we want trade, friendship, cooperation, reciprocity, we don't need a European Commission. We don't need a European Court. We don't need these institutions and all of this power. And I can promise you, both in UKIP and indeed in the Brexit Party, we love Europe. We just hate the European Union. It's as simple as that. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping this begins the end of this project. It's a bad project. It isn't just undemocratic, it's anti-democratic, and it puts in that front row. It gives people power without accountability. People who cannot be held to account by the electorate. And that is an unacceptable structure. Indeed, there's an historic battle going on now across the West, in Europe, America, and elsewhere. It is globalism against populism. And you may loathe populism, but I tell you a funny thing, it's becoming very popular. <laughs> and it has great benefits. No more financial contributions. No more European Court of Justice. No more common fisheries policy. No more being talked down to. No more being bullied. No more Guy Verhofstadt. I mean, I mean what's not to like? I know you're going to miss us. I know you want to ban our national flags, but we're going to wave you goodbye. And we'll look forward in the future to working with you as sovereign. If you disobey the rules, you get cut off. Could we please remove the flags? <laughs> Mr. Farage, could we remove the flags, please? Well, that's it. It's all over. Finished. It's just so great. And I mean, it's one of my favorite it, lines is that you're very good at making people vote again. Makes us think of a. Uh, of a uh, home right in seattle where they make people vote again for everything when you don't vote the way they want you to <laughs> the relevance this has on our own issue is that they thought it was a good idea to form this union in order to help trade isn't that what he said it was the purpose was market trade yeah. that was the point an open market and and the problem and see that i remember being in europe in the 90s before the european union that's how old i am I graduated from high school. We went backpacking in Europe and we would get off the trains and have to exchange money in every country. And I couldn't believe that they put their money together into one currency. I was I was blown away when they allowed this to happen in the 90s, late 90s. I was like, why? What are, why are they doing this? And now I see like the British. I mean, you can to me, I would have predicted that. Only, but just by nature of like that looks like a bad idea putting all just of your, intuitively just intuitively huh. like who came up with the idea of doing this what were they trying to accomplish were they trying to be like the u.s is that what the aim was but my point is we we would do better with local government is always better because they have let you know they're more accountable yes they're more you, the closer you are to the people that you make rules for and tax and all of that the more you have to look people in the eye 
the more uncomfortable you're going to be with all of the all of the power that you wield over them. That's the thing. Right? I mean, Biden doesn't know what it's like. He doesn't see the problems that having the border wide open. He doesn't care. He's up in his fancy uh, Connecticut basement. home. Yeah, it's true. He's in the basement. <laughs> but even, you know, he's in Washington, D.C. All these elitists are. They don't know what it's like. And so that's why we need to keep our government small. And yeah. states are the best way to do that. Right. Our it, own nation states. They should, I mean, just from a practical point of view, it's better to have... 50 you know laboratories of experiment when it comes to policy and, and different things than to, to decree to everyone like okay we're gonna do uh socialized health care and it's like well if you want it so bad you know if californians want it so bad do it in california yeah, experiment. You know? yeah but that's not the kind they want they want the kind where right. we all the 49 other states pay for it right they want to distribute yeah. that out kind of bringing it back to this discussion of the eu why are we talking about this and is that we know a lot of really patriotic people. I feel like we are patriotic in our own way. And you don't have to be, you know, just this last year, you know, we studied a lot um, in our homeschool co-op about uh, the Revolutionary War and the birth of the nation. And this year there, they studied uh, the Civil War. And, you know, you can still have all of that patriotism and love for the Founding Fathers and the Constitution, and recognize that we've gone way far afield of that. It's like what Nigel Farage was talking about. What he wanted was an open market. What he was promised, you know, was one thing. And what it became in a short amount of time, relatively, yeah. was something else. And that is what's going on here. It, it started off as a group of nations that decided that they're going to federalize and have certain rules and certain ways to defend themselves commonly. And it became something else. It became a super nation. That's right. I think if you were to, I mean, you could almost name any uh, bureaucracy under the executive. If you got rid of that one, it would make like a huge positive impact. But I think just at the moment, I'm thinking just purely if the federal government did not have the power to tax everybody, that alone would solve a, a huge amount of our problems because I think that's the reason why the states constantly do what the federal government wants because there's this little circle of money where they take the federal government taxes the citizens of any given state and then the federal government dangles it in front of the state government and says if you do these things that we want you to do then we'll give some of this money to you Right. And it's just like this is and it's, it's a big every, corrupt circle. And it's at every level because there's yeah, state down grants, to local. there's uh, city, there's county grants, there's city grants. There's and there, ISD grants. There's ISD grants and there's like individual business grants. And so, I mean, it's the question is, you know, assuming that you believe wholeheartedly in taxes and that we should have a common, you know, whatever in Texas, why should the Texas state legislature and the governor have to go and beg for Texas taxes <laughs> to come back from Washington, D.C. Right. And it doesn't all come back. You know, a lot of it gets lost there. The The richest counties in the world are all around Washington, D.C. And they don't produce anything other than, you know, uh, Tyranny. millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Well, we probably should move on from the border. Um I, I do have more I could read on here, but I well I think that we'll probably be revisiting this yeah. this issue. Um, I I think we should maybe just mention real quick. I don't know that we've really mentioned anything about there being kind of a standoff. Yeah. And um, so just to recap, 
um, the Texas, uh, sorry, Abbott said, we're going to be putting up this razor wire. Before that, the evicted CBP from some park in Eagle Pass area, yeah. and they put up razor wire, and then the Supreme Court said, no, you know, if the federal government has jurisdiction, and since then, uh, Texas is said sticking to their guns, like, no, we're going to secure our border. You know, you're, you're delinquent in your duties, so we're going to take them over as per, you know, Title 10 or whatever it was in, in whichever law. And so uh, Biden said, okay, well, you have until the 24th to let them back in. And they haven't done that. But since then, I think Biden has um, basically turned down permits for, like, gas. Yeah. Uh, like, uh-huh. like. Uh, power companies and uh-huh. stuff like that yeah in texas you know federal permits which again See, it's again, like again it's the same problem yeah. as the irs it's like why doing why circle. is the federal government controlling the natural resources of texas right it's like yep. that's the same way as like brussels saying to the european like oh you're not allowed to fish off your coast and maybe they do that you know what i mean and i don't know what what alphabet like organization it is on the federal level that controls who gets permits for oil and Probably gas or Department whatever. of Energy, I, I would assume. Okay, so the DOE, let's say. Uh, but you know that the way that that, like, the power was granted to them is in the name of safety. Right. You know it is. Safety or, um, like, security, right? Like, we need to secure our energy for in times of, so that we're not vulnerable for war or whatever, right? right. Lots of different reasons. Which leads us up to so Biden's safety. next move right now, which I think you were about to talk no, about, No, I Joe. wasn't. Go ahead. Well, well I, have, I have it if you okay, want me yeah. to. Um, so I have this article from the uh, Zero Hedge by Tyler Burden. Uh, Tyler Durden. Tyler Durden. Tyler <laughs> oh, Durden. Oh, yeah, this is the Durden guy. <laughs> Fight Club. Donald Donald Duck. By Donald Duck. <laughs> uh, by our good friend, Tyler Durden. Another good one from our good friend, Tyler Durden. I need to watch that movie. Biden blackmail intensifies. Won't shut border until Congress coughs up Ukraine-Israel funds. Okay, so... As a Republican governor circled the wagon around Texas, President Biden on Saturday doubled down on a reluctant agreement to secure the southern U.S. border, but only if if Congress passes a bipartisan bill that would also allocate funds for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan and would still allow as many as 150,000 illegal crossings per month. So <laughs> he's not even it's shutting down the border. To, to allow, he's openly saying allow um, illegal crossings. Right. <laughs> Um, if amazing, if that bill, this quote, this, I guess Biden talking, if that bill were the law today, I'd shut down the border right now and fix it quickly and bring a bipartisan bill that would be good for America and help fix our broken immigration system and allow speedy access to those who deserve to be here. Unquote. Biden said, according to Fox news, it's such a distraction from the obvious like solution to an, uh, a simple, it's a, difficult problem but it's also simple yeah. it's like which is why you know trump ran on that in 2016 yeah. build a wall yeah i'm gonna build a wall it's like yeah that does seem that does seem like that would work doesn't it yeah all you have to do is just stop them yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's it and well, then work it through you know what i mean one well, by one vetting and, and people. i said that we talked about this you know uh, like one of our first episodes right that you can have like it's the humane thing to do to just say we're going to completely shut off the border and make it very difficult to cross. So, you know, we'll be able to catch anybody before they're like able to do it because it's all being 
fenced off. And then everybody who comes through can go through a port of entry and be vetted and that we know like our parents really with their children like who are these people and i would even be for like it's i think it's telling that the biden administration and and just in general people aren't saying increase the amount of legal immigration they're not saying that they're not saying oh we're gonna let people through the port of entry we're gonna go through a process but we're gonna increase we're gonna make more buildings we're gonna send more people there and we're going to process people legally in these ways they're not pushing for that they're pushing for you know this quota of a certain amount of illegal immigration, you know? Yeah. So it's like, what what is the the point of this? And to me, like, my biggest thing about it is, um, well, I guess the thing that kind of gets my emotions the most about this issue is the fact of the amount of abuse that people go through uh, in the process of... Um, Legal immigration. E- well, illegal immigration, right? right? Well, because, both, so what right? is it like, you know, two-thirds of... Uh, girls and young women are raped you know like in in these like illegal crossings maybe it's different now because they're busting them directly to the port border but when you have a black market i'm pretty sure that there's a lot of stops along the way that are that are atrocious anytime you create a black market which is what this is it's an illegal crossing you get abuse because people you know they're relying on people that are breaking breaking the law and then the other issue that you have is the so-called you know golden ticket ruling that they had because before um you know you would they would apprehend people crossing the border and they would say well we can't jail children so we're gonna send them to like family members or figure like something out for that and they and then they had this ruling where this judge said no you can't separate uh children with their with their parents and so and you have to let the kids go you can't keep them in jail and so if you had a child with you then you couldn't be detained and so you know kidnappings went up you just opened up a market yeah right so that if as long as you have a child with you then you 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 didn't have to prove it was you didn't have to prove your child i mean how could they right they're processing all these people and but how could you like even in the time that you would do that you would have to hold them and then like oh look at these kids in cages and so then they were letting them through and so they don't know you know it's like what's the what easier thing can you do at this time then if you're a child trafficker than to take a child and then go over the u.s border right right. because then now you're you're even outside of the jurisdiction of mexico or wherever you are you're in america now and nobody can ask who you are what you're doing i remember when when Trump was in office, I don't know what it, what the number was, but I know it was a lot less of illegal crossings, correct? Because they were actually kind of trying to patrol the, yeah, the border. But at the same time, there were definitely caravans being organized that were right. going up through. But right. Yeah. But then I remember once Biden took office and he like from the podium said, we want you, you know, right. come on over. I mean, his words were not that different from my paraphrasing. Well, and I think it was, then, a, we want you. Habla <laughs> Yay! Roaches on my legs. You know, kids. <laughs> we want you roaches. On yeah, my you legs. know the thing. And then they, it was like immediately, on, immediately there were like thousands of people at the border, right? Like they understood right. what he was saying, and so, and I remember thinking before. Well, but then if you just, like, I can hear the arguments, again, with the shoulder devils, right? <laughs> if you just, like, uh, 
then stop and like shut the border uh, not shut it but control the border and then like they can't come through and then they're all just stuck there and how are they going to get word and there's you know i mean i don't know i was just imagining all this chaos Mm -hmm. and like these sad hot starving thirsty travelers you know what i mean and it's Mm -hmm. like it is concerning right yeah but then i realized i I read something the other day and it was like once they put up this wire like this last week or something Mm -hmm. That there was like one person who showed up. Yeah. It was one guy. And I thought, of course. Why did I think that they didn't have communication? Like, why wouldn't I think that the cartels would have a smooth operation? It's an ugly operation, but it's smooth. Yeah. Because it is the free market. It's a bad market, but it's free. And so they are efficient. Right. And so they're not going to be doing these trips if they can't get through. They're going to get the memo. Yeah. Ahead of time. Well, and it's also just this question of like, okay, well, let's say you did have those nightmares you know, scenario where everybody's just like standing on the other side of the border. Like right. there's nothing stopping the U S from like giving them humanitarian aid. We give right. people humanitarian aid in c- countries all over the world. Right. You know what I mean? Right. You could put together, you know, packages Packets, of yeah. whatever, you know, people, we do it all the time. People would do it war. here. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> churches do it a lot too. Yeah. Like, we've done it at our church a lot. Yeah. So Biden is such a, this, this is so misleading what he just said, um, that he said that in order for him to shut the border, that bill would need to be passed. And according to this article, it says, except as many have pointed out, Biden doesn't need Congress or the bill to do that right now. As we noted yesterday, House Speaker Mike Johnson debunked the calm claim, saying, quote, President Biden falsely claimed yesterday he needs Congress to pass a new law to allow him to close the southern border. But he knows that is untrue. Um, as I explained to him in a letter last year and have specifically reiterated to him on multiple occasions since he and I he can and must take executive action immediately to reverse the catastrophe he has created Johnson continued and then he and then uh anyway so there's a lot of people that are calling him out saying that um he is just using this as you know political yeah maneuvering it's hard to not look at it and think anything other than like what a thug right like for Paul anyone in his position right to like just stop causing the problem. Here's like that's my, all we're asking. Here's my yeah, question like, you guys. Well, it's a I, nice country I might you got here. Yeah, I might cause it for a price, or I might stop causing you know this this chaos and damage and stuff if you pay me some more. Okay, here's my question: Do we give money to the Ukraine? <laughs> no. <laughs> what? I mean, we do, but we shouldn't. Is that what you're yeah, asking? Yeah. No, oh. I'm just wanting to know your opinions on this. I I totally disagree with us helping Ukraine and Russia yeah. at all. What I mean, I because they're corrupt like too. Just, it gets laundered through. I mean, it's like what we were talking about before with all of the waste having the third entity yeah. involved. Right. It's not even just our own federal government taking a bunch of it in whatever, however they launder it. It's also the Ukrainian. Ukraine is known for being insanely corrupt. Right. right. And right? I, I think that's what a lot of this is: is our own corrupt government covering up their own incorrupt or their own corrupt deeds right. in the Ukraine, yeah. and they need our money to do it. And so, even if they weren't, let's say they weren't even just like enriching themselves in whatever laundered way that they are, and it was just going towards the military gear and all that stuff, the, the military help. It's just prolonging this awful fight that's causing death yeah. and destruction. It's and terrible. Also, it's it's communicating to Russia. That we're the enemy. We're taking sides. Right. We, we, that's one way of fighting war. Russia has said, if we support Ukraine by giving them any kind of help, arms, you know, equipment, military stuff, 
they will take that as an act of war. So I, I'm just like, first of all, I never thought I'd get to this point being, you know, one of the biggest Bush fans back in the day. Of course, I've changed my political stance since then. But I'm kind of anti-war now. I really don't think that we have any business of being over there fighting yeah. a, fighting a conflict that whoops doesn't really have much to do with our country. I, I hate to say it, but that's that's how I feel. Well, I think yeah, it was it's a conflict that's perpetuated by, by our yeah. country. Yes, yes well, it's embarrassing. Well, it's like I mean, you people. I don't know, equivocate and they say like, well, we didn't know at the time or like, we don't know if like things were better, but you just, just look at the Afghanistan war. It's horrible. You know, we were there for 20 years. We were there long enough and that for people to be born have and something then to do with grow us, up and right? then fight in the war. That you know? did have something to do with us. Right. What, what you know? Well, at first it did. Yeah. Right. Right. But then, um, you know, some experts think that we could have been out by, you know, the end of yeah, the year. Right. You know, probably. Um, but. But even but if you say like oh well you know the Taliban and all this stuff it's like okay the Taliban which we created right when we we're fighting the Soviets yeah. again right it's so and, true. and it so it's like ends. if you go backwards in history and you say okay well there's this war well what was the result of this war well it wasn't that great but we didn't know that at the time well okay well what about this war well it wasn't that great but you know th- these things like could have just happened a little bit too retarded to be uh, in charge of of wielding war. Yeah, you know what I mean. If well, if every time they're like, "Oh yeah, we didn't know." Yeah, you know? Well, we thought they were weapons of mass destruction. Well, I mean, we did kind of lie about it uh, at the UN, but you know, we thought. The point is, is like if you're going to kill people, right? You should be sure. You should be very, very sure. And people might say, "Well, this is a just war because the Ukraine was attacked," but you're not looking at the alternative. Is that they were ready to come to the negotiating table. And Ukraine is not going to win. And we can fund them forever. It's not going to change the situation. Just like we funded Afghanistan for 20 years yeah. and trained them up and did all this stuff. Once we weren't doing that anymore, then it was over. They, they just fell like a, a house of cards, you know? And yeah. we have no reason to believe that the Donbass region or whatever is not going to be exactly the same. And so you prolong the war. And the way okay, that you... Okay, here's my next question. Wait, just real quick on Emily's point earlier about funding it and not knowing where money is going. Rand Paul, he proposed a bill or like a, a an amendment to one of the funding bills to say that we need an audit. We need to know exactly where this money's going. And they just, they attacked him mercilessly about it. Like, <laughs> well, at a time like this, you know? And it's like, you know, what could be more revealing that when you say, well, where's the money going? People just start freaking out, you know? And that's exactly what happened. Okay, right. so here's my next one. Uh, so in this bill, there's money that he wants for, we just talked about Ukraine. The next one's Israel. <laughs> You sure you want to open this can of worms? (laughs) I know. So no supporting money to Israel. I think, I mean, I don't think that we should fund anyone, (laughs) to tell you the truth. All right, last one, Taiwan. Hmm. I think that we should, uh, if we're worried about about superconductors, then we need to start building them here. And yeah, it'd be better for our economy too. The thing about wait, sorry, just really fast, like stuff like that. You know what I think one of the most devastating things is, is that nobody in our like the last three generations knows how to do anything. And even though it's like, of course, we don't all want to just be like factory workers forever or something, but. Wouldn't it be nice to know how to do something? Yeah. You and know? The United States is a big country. And you, you, know? you did. I mean, ideally, just looking at like, well, what should people do? What things do we want to know how to do? And like, in what ways do we want to be independent? I always think 
it would be great if we had like factories that made all kinds of interesting things again here so that like young people could learn how to do things not that they do that forever yeah right but it's like i the way that i grew up was doing like lots of different jobs as a teenager and yeah. a young adult and i really like that's great i think uh, yeah it helps yeah. you instead it of just of like it's like no just go to school yeah learn nothing marketable no marketable skills and then uh and then afterwards you know go and try and get a job with a certificate which is becoming increasingly useless well i think that that's like one of the things that happened i hope i'm not speaking out of turn on this but i think in libya and in other countries where uh you know the world economic forum and the the international bank and all these people and and these groups said oh well you your country is really good at producing this one it was like coffee beans or something like i don't remember exactly what it was barley some some thing that they you know was well suited to do so you should only do that and not produce these other things that you need because you could just trade for them right it's specialization we all know that this is um that we all know that this is a good economic principle except what happens it, what could happen is that once you do that and then you i don't know say that you want to go to the gold standard right and then all of a sudden you're you know you get accused of crimes against humanity and all these things and then you're killed and maybe you are a bad dictator who knows but if the u.s or other countries decide to do an embargo a trade embargo or sanctions against you well that's it you have nothing now you have the grain that you can grow it's and a very fragile it's, yes. dependent it's a fragile uh, position to be in. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Well, uh, now just I one know thing. Where you stand just on one thing. Money uh, for all these countries. <laughs> well, it's like what Rand Paul said that foreign aid is stealing money from poor people in rich countries and giving them to rich people in poor countries. Oh, that's right. That's a good way to say yep. it. Yeah. Okay. Final would, thing. Sorry. I, I want to say something about Taiwan real quick before we leave is that um, Taiwan in particular, they have a policy, Taiwan and China, of like, yeah, we all know what's going on here and we're not going to rock the boat. And the only people that rock the boat is the United States. It's like when Pelosi went over to Taiwan. Like that is something that is going to rile up feathers, you know? It's going to yeah. make things more dangerous. Yeah. And they don't need that. You know what yeah. I mean? They're yeah. stable as it is. Barely. They, the people like that are on. rattling sabers, is, it's not Taiwan, it's not China, it's the U.S. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So there's a lot of corruption in our government that's causing disarray <laughs> Wait, across what? the world. That's what you're saying, bottom line. Okay, so I thought we probably should wrap it up, but I wanted before we wrap it up um, to end with just telling our listeners what's on the ballot for this primary, um, which is March 5th, uh, 2024. So should I do that? Yeah. All right. Here's the ballot for uh, 2024 for I'll read, I guess, both. Uh, for the Republican running for president, obviously it's Trump. Um, and then Nikki Haley, Ryan Binkley, which I don't even know who that is. Do you guys know? Nope. Uh, and David Stuckenberg. And that's basically it. Everyone else has dropped out. <laughs> hmm. um, for the Democrats, it's... Those are people running... Wait, what positions are they president. running? What? So it's Donald Trump, Ryan Binkley, Nikki Haley, David Stuckenberg. Huh, okay. Never even heard of David Steckenberg, Ryan Bink or Ryan Binkley. For the Democrats, it's Joe Biden, Gabriel Cornejo, Starlock. I didn't even know there were all these people running. Starlock. <laughs> I like the, the name, name Starlock. Like that, yeah. That's kinda cool. Why can't he be a Republican? Is his name Star John Locke? Anyways. <laughs> Frankie Lozada, 
Armando Armando Perez Serato, Dean Phillips, Kink Ugar. Shank. Shank Ugar. Who is that? Uh, he's like one of the hosts of the Young Turks, which is like is that an right? online. Marianne Williamson. I like Marianne Williamson, oh. even though she's wrong about everything. She <laughs> seems really nice. <laughs> she she ran last time. She she got on the debate stage, I think, a couple times oh, okay. um, in the last presidential election. Hmm. Oh, because the Democrats actually had a primary, you know. She's kind of like uh, woo-woo, love, you know, in order to defeat the darkness, which is Trump, we need love, the light of love, you know, whatever. She's a hippie. She's a hippie, yeah. She's got a bunch of uh, books about being a hippie. But she was actually on uh, Timcast not too long ago, and there were a lot of things, like they brought up the uh, banned books, right, which we've talked about on this podcast, and she's like, well, I don't think that that should happen this way. And then they read to her, like, passages of those books, and she was, like, really surprised, and, and she saw one book or some worksheet or something that was basically like about white privilege and um like that you it was a pledge something like that that white people should like sign saying like i know that i'm i've been privileged above like other people or whatever and like she was like almost in tears about it so it's kind of interesting okay so um for the democrats uh for or for u.s senate it's ted cruz is the republican incumbent Holland Red Gibson is running against him on the Republican ticket with Rufus Lopez. And on the Democrats, there's Colin Allred, Mary Gomez, Mark Gonzalez, Roland Gutierrez, Robert Hassan, Steve Kiao, Hel- or Heli, Rodriguez Prilliman. Maybe Emily should be reading these. <laughs> Carl Oscar Sherman. And I don't know how to say this one. Theory Chenko. For the U.S. House, um, our district is uh, District 23 here in Medina County. So those that are running would be Victor, Victor Avilia, Julie Clark, Tony Gonzalez, Brandon Herrera, and Frank Lopez Jr. versus Lee Bossinger and Santos Limon. So I'll tell you who I'm not voting for, Tony Gonzalez. Right. Mm. I'm done with him. You don't like that guy. Mm-mm. So. Cool.